Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Landon Parker and his father, Phil Parker. Landon, Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here with me. Uh, Thank you for having us. It's my pleasure. You've written a new book, Landon, titled Militia Justice, The Fall of a Wrestling Legend. And this is all about your father, Phil. So tell me about this book, Landon. Well, this book is about the fall of the first black wrestling coach in the Big Ten. From the late 80s to the 1990s, my dad was on top of the world, and in an instant, we lost it all. This is our side of the story, a version never told until now. Mm. This is about God's timing. This is Mr. Parker speaking. There's a very dark secret that pervades over Michigan State University. And all I told Landon some time ago was to prepare because one day we'll be able to tell the story. I wanted the whole world to know truth. Hmm. This is like a To Kill a Mockingbird story, but it boils down to To Kill a Coach. Wow. Landon, what was the spark that was lit that persuaded you to sit down and write this book? How did you decide? What was your inspiration? Well, my inspiration was being a lifetime wrestler. I started wrestling at the age of five. Hmm. Being a lifetime wrestler and the son of a coach The story really hit close to home. And after my mother died of cancer in 2018, I was so grief-stricken that I just had to do something out of her. Were you speaking to a certain group of readers in particular, Landon? Well, really this book is for all readers of all walks of life, people of all walks of life, anyone in the history, true crime buffs or athletes. Yeah, our target readers is really the entire country. Because militia justice means evil power and evil justice. That's what was rendered in my case. The entire wrestling community could not accept a black man being married to a white woman. Mm. The AD told me in the interview that the former coach had created a racial stir. So I knew from the beginning what I had to deal with. Wow. And I can imagine maybe something like this took you guys a long time to put together and to write. Was that the case, Landon? Well, it took me about three years in all from the moment I started writing to publication. I felt like it was fairly quick, that process. And when that day finally came, Landon and Phil, whenever you got the first physical copy in of Militia Justice, you got to hold this thing in your hands you've been working on and you have such passion for. What was that day like? Oh, it was a great day. Very monumental in my life. And for the cover design, I actually had worked with a local artist named Dino Perez. He helped me really hatch the idea for that cover. And he constructed those hands. And ironically enough, those hands that are holding the bars on the cover look exactly like my dad's hands. Wow. Landon, have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing and publishing? Yeah, I published my first book back in 2007. Hmm. It was a science fiction and fantasy book. So I've been on the road for a long time. 
wanted to do this, wanted to really get my feet wet in the world of being an author. Mm. Landon and Phil, what was the most challenging aspect of publishing this book? The writing of this book was one thing, but then you have the publishing end of it. What was the tough part about that? Well, the tough part about it really was the weights, waiting and finding the right place to go, making the right decision. But I just basically let passion guide me and also my, my faith guide me into making the right choice. And I feel like I did, ultimately. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people listening to us right now are authors who have never written a book, but they want to. They're, they're just starting out in this whole thing. So, Landon, do you have any advice, any words of wisdom that you could offer them? Oh, definitely. I just would tell them, hey, keep it true to yourself mm. and write what you know. Write what's true to you. Don't, don't try to write anyone else's story. Write your story. Well, this is certainly a story that needs to get out there, and I encourage my listeners to check this book out. It's titled Militia Justice. The Fall of a Wrestling Legend. It's written by Landon Parker. It's published by Fulton Books, and it's available everywhere. Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and Google Play, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Landon, Phil, thank you for joining me tonight and telling me a little bit about your story and the fact that you're getting the truth out there finally. I had a good time chatting with you both tonight. Thank you very much for your time, sir. How do I get to heaven? Well, I'd, I'd sure like to know that. And it's actually the title of the new book, Out in Stores Now, written by Dee Dee Lawrence. And Dee Dee is right here with me now. We're going to talk all about it. Dee Dee, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Can you tell me about How Do I Get to Heaven is all about? What can readers expect here? Well, it's a children's picture book, and I wrote it because I was always afraid of death growing up. So it's just a cute little book about a dream that a little child has, and it talks about what heaven is about, the colors in heaven and what you see in heaven, a light, cute little book. Hmm. So you said this was brought about by your childhood fear of dying and the questions that you had. So what was the spark that was lit? What inspired you to sit down and get started on this thing? Well, I grew up with children my entire life. I was a nursery school teacher, and then I became a school counselor. I worked at high school level, but then I went to the elementary level. And, you know, I just loved reading with children because they were so enthusiastic with books, most of them anyway. Mm. And I said, I would love to write a book. So I did a little praying, and I asked for guidance, and this is what I came up with. So is this your first book then? You've never written or published before this? Correct. This is my very first one. Yes. Congratulations. Did this take you, you like so forever to do since it was your first one? It felt like it did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what was the most challenging part of the whole thing for you? Deciding whether or not I wanted to do the illustrations or have the publishing house do the illustrations. In fact, I even asked my granddaughter, but she was way too busy. And so I said, you know what? I think I'm going to give it to the publishing house. And I'm so glad I did because they did a fabulous job. What was it like for you then the day finally came and you got the first hard copy of this and you got to hold this book you've been working on for so long? It was pretty exciting. A little surreal. I think it still is. You know, I'm trying to get it out there. I want to have some book signings and things like that, but I'm going to try and work on it more now. I was detained a little bit because my mom just passed away. I'm sorry. Thank you. So now I'm going to start really working on it. 
Well, Dee Dee, so many people listening to us right now are authors just starting out in the whole world of writing and publishing. What words of wisdom do you have to offer them? Go for your dream. I mean, mm. if you have a dream, do it. Go for it. You have nothing to lose, that's for sure, and maybe a whole lot to gain. And when you look back over the whole thing now, Dee Dee, what's the most rewarding thing for you of now being a published author? Being able to hold that book in my hands and being able to read it and share with my grandchildren and to read it over and over and over again. I have a little three, almost three, two and a half years old, and he calls it, how do I get to Kevin? <laughs> and so, yes, and we have fun. And it was so cute. His parents videotaped him and he said, I'm thinking about the book that Mana wrote. How do I get to Kevin? I mean, heaven. <laughs> And he had just lost his dog. So uh, I think it was he was relating the two together because we you know, kept telling him that the dog went to heaven. So it came in handy. Well, I'm sure you know the process of writing can be so much fun and you can get so much joy out of it as the words are flowing out. But sometimes it gets tough and the words stop flowing. You might get caught up for ideas where to go next. Uh, Dee Dee, do you ever get things like writer's block or those sort of challenges? I did prior to me looking for guidance. But once I did, the words just flowed right out. I was just like amazed. Prior to that, I was trying to write a different one and I was struggling, but this one came a little bit easier for me. Hmm. Like I said, it had a little guidance, so it worked out much better that way. Did you have a pretty solid idea for what the whole story was going to look like or were you sort of winging it as you went? Winging it as I went until I got it all together and started, you know, reading it over and over. And then as they asked me, you know, well, what about this page? What would you like to see on this page and what colors and things like that? And then it just came. And like I said, they did an awesome job. Well, they certainly did. The book's beautiful. The message is great. And I encourage my listeners to check this book out. It's titled, How Do I Get to Heaven? It's written by D.D. Lawrence. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, of course, like on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Dee Dee, thank you again for joining me and telling me about this wonderful book. I hope we can talk again soon. I would love that. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. One Principal Good One, The King James Bible. It's the new book. It's written by Jonathan Wheatley and Dave Reese. It just hits stores. Co-author Jonathan Wheatley is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about this book. Uh, Dr. Wheatley, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Corey. Well, it's my pleasure. Dr. Wheatley, what can readers expect when they crack open one principal good one? Well, I think readers are going to be able to see how this book really speaks to the majesty of the King James Bible. And when I say the majesty of it, I think of both its literary contribution to the English language and really how it distinguishes itself from the previous English translations and really those that have been attempted since. Dr. Wheatley, what sorts of readers were you speaking to with this? Who were your target audience? Both Dr. Reese and I, we both looked at these, and when I think about target readers, we think about those Bible students that are serious Bible students and those that are, let's say, casual Bible readers. The book also would benefit systematic Bible classes as a resource text, so it could well be used as a textbook. I think the title itself, when I think about the title, will resonate with them as well. 
As we look at the title, it's actually taken from an excerpt of the translators of the King James Bible themselves. And the translators to the reader, forgive me for reading a little bit here, but they said, truly good Christian reader, we never thought from the beginning that we should need to make a new translation, nor yet to make of a bad one a good one, but to make a good one better, or out of many good ones, one principal good one, not justly to be accepted against, that has been our endeavor, that our mark. End quote there, and I believe they certainly hit the mark there. I could imagine with all the research that had to go into something like this, that this book would have taken you a long time to write and put together. Dr. Wheatley, is that the case? Yes. For Dr. Reese, of course, he's been in the ministry a lot longer than I have, and it's really uh, result uh, a lot of his work, uh, which is really a majority of the work, is the result of 50 years of study and preparation. Mm. Wow to teach the Bible in the college classroom and from the pulpit. So really the material began years ago. The revision and editing the material for this publication, we started on that around 2020. It was ready for publication by the end of 2021. It was completed then, and then, of course, it was publication ready in the spring of 2022. Dr. Wheatley, what personal experiences in, in your life have fed into what's gone into this book? For myself, really my personal life and life as a Bible student, they're very much intertwined. So really that's the how for me. Of course, I can speak for Dr. Reese, and as again, he has been in the ministry since 1965. And as a seminary graduate, the King James Bible has been his primary life textbook, if you will. That being as a husband, father, college professor, church pastor, and mission board director, as he is still now. Hmm. And I understand that both you and Dr. Reese are no strangers to the writing and publishing room. That's correct. This is my second book, so it wasn't my first. And Dr. Reese has written many books prior to this one. Hmm. And to you, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author, having your work out there for the world? Well, when I think about it, it's not so much the real recognition or anything like that, but I guess the biggest thing is really being accepted by my peers in the ministry as being a contributor for the defense of the King James Bible. Well, I know this book is going to prove valuable to a lot of readers, and I encourage my listening audience to go find this. Go check it out. It's titled, One Principal Good One, The King James Bible. It's written by Jonathan Wheatley and Dave Reese, and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. And of course, you can pick it up anywhere, like on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and also down the street at local bookshops. Dr. Wheatley, thank you again for joining me and telling me about one principal good one. I had a great time talking with you tonight. All right. Thank you very much for having me on. The book I have now aims to touch your heart and mind to where it begins doing good work within you. It's called Entering into the Secrets of God. It's written by Takesha Winston, and Takesha is sitting down with me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about the book. Takesha, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Takesha, can you tell me what readers will expect when they open up Entering into the Secrets of God? 
Well, first of all, the book is about how being a single mom and how to keep your focus on God through all of your hardships and how to not take focus off the things that he has for you. Because in life, sometimes things get hard. And I wrote this book from my personal experience. Sometimes you may get off key and things might come up, but never lose focus in what God has you. Never lose focus in him. And it's always important to keep in mind that, okay, no matter what I go through, no matter how I'm feeling, that I must keep my head on straight and I must stay focused on the things that I have to do, not only for me, but for my children, because your children can be part of your destiny and the things that God has for you. And he can use your children to bring you into the destiny and to teach you certain things in life. Takesha, how long did this whole thing take for you from when you first started writing it up until you got it published? It took me almost about a year because I kept starting and then I stopped. What really persuaded me to continue to write this book is when I was going through this thing with my, you know, the people in my apartment. They were coming up against me and they were trying to evict me. And I couldn't figure out, Lord, why are these people coming up against me? What have I done? But through that process, he has taught me how to stand firm and how to, when you're up under pressure, how not to fold, not to give up on him. Because even when people come up against you, he will always be there. No matter what they're doing, you should trust him because in the end of it all, he has the last say so. And that's how I began to continue to pursue my book. I'm like, okay. And he began to speak to me. So I'm like, well, there's others out there that can be dealing with the things that I'm dealing with, but don't have the encourage, don't have the faith to continue to push forward. And this book, it explains and it tells you all of those things, how to keep pushing forward, even though you might want to stop or you might want to give up, just continue to, you know, push forward. So it took me about a year, you know, almost a year to write the book because I kept starting to stop it. And then when that day finally came for you, Takesha, that first copy came in the mail. You got to hold this book you've been working on all that time. Tell me about that moment. What was that like? Oh, my God. It was like a breath of fresh air because, <laughs> really, I was like, Lord, I really didn't expect it to go that far. Because, you know, when God gives you something, you be like, okay, you brush it off. You really don't look too deep off into it because it's not really something that, like, okay, well, it's just a book. Okay, yeah, but... I think it like it affects me more because I really pursued and pushed forward to it. And when I began to look and read, I'm like, Lord, not only have you done this for me, like it can help others too. Like it's written for others to encourage others. And I was really excited. I was happy. I really wanted to cry. I really did cry because I'm like, wow, my message and my experience, other people can get a hold of this book and they can realize, hey, you know, I do matter. Hey, I can get over this hurdle. Hey, I can be who God called me to be. Like, do not let the enemy take you away from what God has you. And that's how I feel with this book because so many obstacles came up against me. I was like, I don't think I'm worthy enough to even write a book. And when I held it in my hand and it first came, I was like, this is what God was trying to tell me the whole time. This is what I have for you. This is one of the many things I have for you. And I just felt like I accomplished one of the many things in life. You know, it was such a blessing. And I was so happy to hold my book in my hand. And I know a lot of readers will be blessed by this book. It's called Entering into the Secrets of God. It's written by Takesha Winston. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can pick it up everywhere like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore. But Takesha, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much. I'm very glad you had me on today. Thank you. 
The book I'm looking at now reminds readers that their friends are the gold in life. The title is, So Who's in Your Circle? You know over 600 people, find your 25 friends who matter most. It's written by Mark Lasick, and I'm really happy that Mark is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We're going to talk all about this book. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, Corey. I'm glad to be on. Well, it's great to have you. Mark, tell me all about this book. So who's in your circle? Well, it came up as a business idea years ago when I had a mentor that said, if you have a company or startup company, make sure that you touch each one of your people in some way each day. Like, you know, Jane, how did your son do that at his baseball game? Bill, come, can you stop by and look at my creative and see just engage in some way. Hmm. And I started a company with another partner called the LASIK Group, and we applied that mantra of trying to make everyone feel like they're a part of the family. And we grew it into a 200-person company, and it was a very successful company based on that principle. Hmm. Then I got out of that business, and the internet blew up. Everyone wanted to friend you, wanted to follow you, hmm. you know, wanted to connect with you. And soon you were being bombarded, and the number of, quote, friends you had was astronomical mm. versus our parents' generation. So that's when I took the principle that I applied to my business. I said, you know what? Not all friends are created equal. I used to run the frequent flyer program for Northwest Airlines, now Delta Airlines. And, you know, we had platinum members, gold members, silver members, because not all customers are the same. So you treat them differently and all your friends aren't the same either. And so that's when I came up with this concept and I created the five circles of how you should define your friendships. Mm. Mark, how long of an endeavor was this for you from the time you got this idea, started writing it up until you published it? Well, you know, literally my friends had probably gotten sick of me talking about it over dinner and lots of bottles of wine. <laughs> I pontificated about this idea. And every time the conversations became long conversations because people really understood the concept. Mm. And the ultimate question at the end of every one of these discussions, am I in your circle? Mm. So people took this very personally. They said, you know, I, I understand this whole concept of circles, but am I in your circle? It, it really kind of hit a real emotional tendon. So I just started, you know, I talked about the book for 15 years. <laughs> and then last January 1, I sat down, I had a friend of mine who has written seven books. And he said, Mark, just write the book. <laughs> and it was done in less than two months. It wrote itself because I've been thinking about it for so long that all I had to do was sit down at the computer and type out the words. <laughs> it just flowed onto the pages. It was really fun, fun experience. So this is your first book then? You've never been published before this one? No, no. I've, I've been published in a lot of magazines and articles Matt, about when I was in the loyalty, you know, running frequent flyer programs and mm. things like that. But no, no, I'd never done a book. I'm working on another book right now because that one was so fulfilling and so interesting. And I've had so much positive feedback because it makes people think. That's the one thing I can guarantee you. When you read this book, you will think about your friendships and the people who are important in your life in a whole different way. Mm. 
and it will be a kind of a realization that some of the people you thought were the ones that were your closest maybe aren't. And some of them that you took for granted didn't think they were that close. After you read my book, you can't imagine life without them. Mm. I know a lot of readers are going to be really into this book and should check it out. It's titled, So Who's in Your Circle? You know over 600 people. Find your 25 friends who matter most. It's written by Mark Lasik. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing. And you can get it everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Mark, thanks again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about your work. I had a nice time talking with you. Likewise, Corey. Thank you for the opportunity. And any of you out there that are wanting to be authors, just go and do it. Time goes by so quickly. And if you have things to say, let the world know. Readers will find hope and comfort in Rebecca June's new book. It's called The Way, The Truth, The Life, Selection of Verses. Rebecca is sitting down right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to chat all about the book. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me, Corey. I appreciate that. Well, it's really exciting you have this book out in stores right now. So, Rebecca, can you tell me all about The Way, The Truth, The Life? Well, I tell you, I started writing the book 30-something years ago, and it finally got published. just took me a while to get things straight, and I was also told that this particular genre is extremely hard to get published, mm. and I just had a lot of events going on in my life that just caused it to be put on hold, and two years ago, I sent it off, and it was accepted, so I felt like it was the time for it. Rebecca, who were you writing this for? Did you have certain readers in mind? Oh, yes. I don't believe this is for a new Christian. I don't think they'd understand it. It is for the church. It's calling out things in the church and also for people who are seeking an intimate relationship with the Lord. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to publishing? I had published a couple of little short stories, kind of funny short stories. We're in parishes in Louisiana, so in a little free parish publication of new writers, but nothing like this. This is my degree is in art, but it's a fine arts degree, but not in writing. So this is kind of a surprise. God loves to do surprises in our life. I'm sure it was a surprise opening up that box when it finally came in, the day you got your first copies in. You got to hold this thing you've been working on all that time, Rebecca. What was that moment like for you? Oh, it was fascinating, but it was also very humbling. Mm. I felt like it was this opportunity that had been handed to me, and it was a finished work. and. It really didn't matter to me, you know, that it was paperback, not hardback or anything else. It was just, it was priceless. Do you think you would do it again? Have you given thought to writing another book? I actually have one that's ready, and it's for children. Hmm. It's also in rhyme. It's kind of like a Dr. Seuss type book, but it's in rhyme doing the parables of Jesus. Not quite ready to send it off yet. I could do the artwork in it, but I don't want to do the artwork in it. I want to publish in-house to do that when I send it off and see if it would be accepted. It'd probably be about six months before I do that. Mm. That's very different also when you're writing for children. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of authors don't necessarily think of that kind of thing. They think about writing the book and getting all the words down, but there's a lot that you have to do to get it published and get it out there. Oh, yeah. What did you find the most challenging part of the publishing process? 
Well, because it's poetry, the punctuation and all has to be different because when it's read, it's better to read it out loud. So you have to punctuate as you read. Mm-hmm. And that took a year. That took a year to get that. Just little little bitty things. As you know, in publishing, all it takes is one thing, then they have to redo everything. Mm-hmm. I learned to mm-hmm. read it out loud. That way it helped punctuate. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was the editing part, of which I was the only one that could really do it. You know, there's standard editing where there's punctuation for language, but poetry is just totally different. Right. It was an adventure. A lot of people listening to us right now, Rebecca, are authors who are just starting out in this world. So do you have any words of wisdom, any advice that you could offer them? Persistence. This was ready to be published in 1995, but life circumstances just kind of got in the way and I had to put it aside. In the year 2000, from 2000 to 2005, he actually gave me more poems and then was able to add to the ones I had. And it was just the right timing. I know that a lot of readers are going to find hope and comfort in this book and should go check it out. The title is The Way, The Truth, The Life, Selection of Verses. It's written by Rebecca June and is published by Covenant Books. You can get it everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Rebecca, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about your verses. I had a really nice time talking. Well, thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. And I hope your readers will go out and purchase and give some away as gifts. I certainly have. And it will bring people comfort. There's many of them that are challenging for the church, but there's also a lot of very intimate type poems that reach our heart and comfort us. So I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. The book I have with me now stresses the importance of faith, religiosity, and spirituality. It's titled, A Case for Faith, Sharing Ancient Secrets for Longer Life, Health, and Happiness. This is written by Mark Mello, MD, and Mark is joining me here right now. We get to talk all about this book. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Yes, thank you. It's really exciting to get a new book out in stores, Mark. Tell me what you've written about here in A Case for Faith. Well, my primary purpose, really, of writing the book was to provide an up-to-date review of the medical literature demonstrating the positive effects of faith and spirituality on both our physical and mental health. And the reason I think this is important today, more than perhaps other times, is as a society, we are really in desperate need of a health fix. I mean, we are experiencing record levels of depression, addiction, and suicide. These have been actually appropriately described as the diseases of despair. And we have angry socio-political partisanship. And so I really wanted to review this and make it available to the public. I think most people are aware of the fact that various spiritual practices like meditation and mindfulness and yoga have positive health effects. But it turns out that there's actually a couple of thousand articles now in peer-reviewed medical literature that deal with the issue of faith and health, and the vast majority of them have a positive connection. I think that was actually a surprise to me when I first started researching it, just how many articles there were. And so I would think it also would be a surprise to the general public. Hmm. I could imagine this might have taken you a while to write and put together, Mark. I could imagine there was a lot of research involved. Am I right? Yes, there really was. I'm indebted to a librarian at the hospital that I had practiced in. I'm now retired, but she had just been a champion for me of every, it seemed like (laughs) she 
pulled 10 articles for me and I'd say, Lisa, this is great. Could you get me another 10 articles? And so wound up probably reading three, 400 articles on the subject. Wow. Mark, what was the spark that inspired you, that made you think, hey, I got to sit down, I got to start this book and get this out to the world? Well, really, what I mentioned, I think our society is in, in significant trouble. Mm. And I think that this is especially true in our younger generations. There was a study reported fairly recently where they were asking people how often they experienced the feeling of loneliness. And it turned out that millennials experienced the feeling of being lonely more than seniors who lived alone. So wow. clearly there's a problem there. I think that the marked incidence of depression and suicide, which has just recently been publicized as a result of a national study, is just incredibly alarming. Mm. And I think that a good part of this, I, certainly it's not only the case because we've got social media to blame. We've got lots of things that are going on in the lives of young people that didn't occur in the past. But I think another thing is really a reflection of a life view. In other words, if you are a member of a faith community, believe in faith, then you feel that there is a higher power who loves you and guides you through life and helps you when things are tough. And if you are an atheist, basically, you have the feeling that you are the latest in the line of hunter-gatherers, sort of the kill-or-be-killed mentality, and that you have a finite lifespan, and when you die, your body decomposes, and that's the end of the story. And I think that that distinct difference in life view is critically important in young people who are facing adversity, that things will get better. You're not alone. And in point of fact, if you don't have these beliefs, you are alone. Well, Mark, would you say then this is a book that atheists could pick up and it might sway them, might interest them in finding out more about God? Yes, I think perhaps I'm more optimistic on agnostics than atheists. Hmm. I think anybody who has a totally fixed view, and that probably holds true for religious fundamentalists also to some hmm. degree, but if you have a particular view that I just know I'm right and you can't talk me out of it, then you can't talk them out of it. But I think there's a large number of people who are on the fence about faith. And, and so, yes, that would be definitely a group that I'd be interested in having read the book. I think a lot of readers are going to get a lot out of this book and should go check it out. It's titled, A Case for Faith, Sharing Ancient Secrets for Longer Life, Health, and Happiness. This is written by Mark Mello, MD, and is published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Mark, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a really nice time chatting with you tonight. Oh, thank you. Me too, Corey. Take care. Have a good day. This book aims to help readers draw closer to God. It's called On My Knees, Preparing to Enter the Throne Room. It's written by Terry Edwards, and I'm delighted that Terry is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. We get to talk all about this book. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Corey. I'm excited to be here, and thank you for having me. Well, it's exciting that you're here and that we're going to talk about On My Knees. Terry, can you tell me what this book's all about? Yes, I would love to, Corey. It's about prayer and how to approach God's throne. It's to inspire others to spend time with God and to equip them on how to pray with purpose and with effective prayers. And it gives them many examples of prayer. And so I just want people to draw close to God and know how to do it and be able to just hear Him and feel Him as they speak to Him and know that He's listening to them. Mm. 
Carrie, would you say this is a book then that is best for believers as opposed to the unbelievers? I think it's for everyone, Corey. I think it's anyone who's struggling. And there's so many people that are struggling out there in life. And I think that it can give hope and peace and strength and encouragement. Yes, as they go through all this and they start praying, whether they know God or not, that he will make himself known to them and then draw them close to them. And then they will start to see him in their life. So I I believe it's for everybody. That's wonderful. Terry, can you tell me the story behind this book? How did this come about? How'd you get the idea? Okay, well, I was on my porch painting, and I had just finished the last step of painting, and the thought came, write a prayer book. Hmm. And I'm thinking, write a prayer book? Okay, Lord, you know, I don't like to write a text or an email, but write a prayer book. (laughs) Okay, Lord. So if I'm going to write a prayer book, I need your help. And as I began to pray, he started to really outline what it was all about and how he wanted it. And at that point, he reminded me that I had been writing prayers to my son, Christopher, who was diagnosed with cancer at the time. Mm. And I was writing prayer books. And the first thought was, okay, I'll just write all 365 days of prayer. But then God just showed me what it was supposed to be like and just help people to find him and to look for him. And through it all, just give them encouragement and hope when times are tough Mm. and nowhere to go. Because I think we end so lost and so hurt and so much in pain, we don't know where to go and what to turn to and what to say. And so I have this like little acronym I use, ASAP, always stop and pray. I love it. I want everybody just to know that and to feel that and to do that, right? Just look up. He's there. He's ready. So, Terry, I'm assuming this is the first time you've written a book, first time you've been published? Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, congratulations. So, did this take you a long time to put together and get published? You know, the writing of it took about three months, the first draft. And then, of course, you have to edit. The editing process is a lot longer, but... And I think that's because I just was committed to doing it. I committed to the Lord. And, you know, that verse, it became my verse was commit to the Lord, whatever you do and your plans will succeed. And I just kept saying, God, I'm committing this to you. So Lord, help me to do it. I want your words, Lord, not mine. And so just fill me with them. And he reminded me of different things as he began to show me topics and everything. And the prayer book is a little bit different than some prayer books in the way that it just is how to approach his throne. How? And I want people to see that, to feel that, to know that we go before his throne. And it's, I want them to find a place to have silence and just spend it with him, no distraction, just to spend time with him. And I talk about that in the book. I talk about how God brought me to my knees in prayer. I do that in the morning. But it's, you know, quite a story in the book about that. And I'll never forget that experience being brought to my knees. And basically what he was doing, he was humbling me and having me submit and surrender. And so that's the pieces that I think we all need to do is come before our mighty God, looking to him and just say, Lord, help me and help my thoughts be in line with your will for me. Well, I encourage my listeners to eliminate all their distractions and go pick up this book because I think they're going to get a lot out of it. It's titled On My Knees, Preparing to Enter the Throne Room. It's written by Terry Edwards, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick it up everywhere, like at Amazon or at Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Terry, thank you again so much for coming on the show and telling me about this wonderful book. I really had a nice time talking with you. Thank you, Corey. I so appreciate you having me.
Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Paul Gergal. Paul, thanks for being here with me today. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Well, it's great to have you on the show. I've got to tell you congratulations for the new book that you have out in stores right now. It's titled Zero the Hero. Zero helps a curveball that wouldn't curve. So, Paul, can you tell me about the book? Sure thing. This is the third book in the series that I've written titled Zero the Hero. This book is Zero Helps a Curveball That Wouldn't Curve. Basically, the book is similar to the title in, in that the main character Zero helps his friend, who happens to play on a different team, helps him through his struggles with throwing a curveball properly. And Zero does his best to help him out. And a little bit of a surprise ending for Zero, but it all works out in the end. Hmm. Paul, is this a book you'd say would be good for kids, good for adults, or what kind of readers did you have in mind? It's a children's book. I do believe in the values that I talk about in the book. It's a story for anybody, mm. but specifically children. I, I think the best age is somewhere between five and eight years old. But really, the principles in the book, I, I strongly believe in them, and anybody, I think, can appreciate the value in the story. I try to do that, at least in all my books, where the values, I don't dumb down the values. I, I speak to the children the way that I, I would speak to anybody. And I do think that the values are universal and important for everybody. It's mainly written for sports enthusiasts, so any child that loves sports of any kind, mm. baseball specifically, but any sport. I think the story is pretty universal. I understand that a lot of the inspiration behind this story was taken from things that were real-life experiences for you. Correct. So everything that I've learned with my son trying to help him with baseball, over 10 to 15 years of doing that with him, I've had all these little bits of inspiration over the years, which I've tried to compile in my head and try to get down on paper. These are amazing things that I've seen these kids do over the years and mainly true to life. The things that I write about, not word for word, but very closely mimic what I saw. Eyewitness accounts of what I've, I've seen these children do over the years. And I just knew I had to get it down on paper. And I'm glad I did. Now, like you said, this is the third Zero the Hero book in your series. Do you have more planned? Yeah. So the fourth one is in my head right now. I'm, I'm, I'm jotting down some things on paper. Yeah, so the fourth one hopefully will be out fairly soon. <laughs> Fantastic. Paul, about how long does it take you to write the book, have the illustrations done, and then get it to press? So this is the third book I've written in basically three years. It's basically a, a year process mm -hmm. to get everything down and, and to work with the publisher and to get the illustrations as close to how I want them. Yeah, so I, it's about a year, each book. Hmm. And what would you say is the most challenging part about the whole process for you? You know, I think trying to come up with the right illustrations per page. I think that's the most, that, that's been the most challenging for me. I'm pretty good. I can draw. The characters come from me, but it, I'm, it's not my forte in life. I'm not great at illustration. So working with the real professionals to get that down, that's the hardest part in my experience. Paul, can you tell me about the feelings that you experience whenever you get that first physical copy in of the book you've been working on for like a year and you've just been seeing it up on the computer screen? You know, the first thing I think people think of is, you know, happiness or satisfaction. And, and all that stuff is true. But in reality, the biggest thing I feel when I have the book in my hand and when I see it online 
I have to be honest, it's a little bit of nervousness. How, how do I get this book into people's hands? Mm. <laughs> That's what I think about mostly. I believe in these stories, and I just I think it's important for children to kind of relate to these things. And, you know, I, I could just think back on my own experiences growing up. You know, the best principles in life that I've learned obviously came from my parents, but they definitely were underlined by the books I read as kids. And the principles that I learned in these books are still with me. So I try to do that in my book. And so when I see the, when I have the book in my hand, I'm like, okay, how do I get this book out to people? <laughs> how can I convince people to get this book? <laughs> well, I really appreciate, I love the values in this book. And I think my listeners should definitely check it out. The title is Zero the Hero. Zero helps a curveball that wouldn't curve. It's written by Paul Gergel, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing course, you can grab it up anywhere, like in Amazon or Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshops. Well, Paul, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about Zero the Hero. I really had a great time talking with you. I really appreciate it. It was fun. That was great. Thanks a lot. Solus. That's the name of the new book. It's out in stores right now. The author is Abby Rose Gladden. And I'm delighted that Abby is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to talk all about the book. Abby, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thank you. The new book, Soulless, you just put it out. What can readers expect in this, Abby? It's about a boy who's looking for a girl who can turn the tide of a war that's been going on for a millennium, and a girl who gets pulled into the war when she meets this boy. Hmm. Abby, what sorts of readers do you think would really be into Soulless? Young adults, maybe some teens. Now, can you go back and think about what sparked the idea for this? How were you inspired to write this story? What inspired me to write the story, the story kind of just writes itself. Hmm. So I have an autoimmune disease. I like to sit and write to cope with my illness. Hmm. I just sit down and write what comes to me and then piece it all together in the right order, sometimes taking things out and adding other things in. And it just becomes story. When it comes to being published, is this the first time you've done it? Yes, this is my first published work. Congratulations. Abby, what did it feel like when the day finally came and you got the first hard copy of Soulless In? You know, you've been working on it for so long up on the computer screen, and now you finally get to hold this thing you created. What was that moment like for you? It's indescribable. The first thing I wanted to do was read it, even though I pretty much know it by heart, <laughs> having written and edited it so many times. How long of a time period was this when you started writing it up until it was published? About three years. And now that you've been through this for the first time, Abby, I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way. It can be quite the educational experience. So do you have any advice that you could offer to people listening now who are the aspiring authors? Don't give up. I believe everyone has something to share with the world, so let's hear it or, you know, read it as the case may be. And research publishers. Definitely do your work on researching publishers. Have you thought about maybe writing a follow-up to this, a sequel, or maybe doing some other kind of writing in the future? Yes. I have sequels planned for this book so that I can tell the whole story as I got writing. I realized it was too long for one book, and I do plan to write other books. Fantastic. Now, when you look back over everything, Abby, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of now being a published author? Getting to see my book come to life mm. and knowing that 
people are enjoying the story that I wrote. That's hard a lot of times to write a book, publish a book all by yourself, Abby. Did you have people around you in your life who could support and encourage you along the way? Yes, I have very supportive family. Mm. And my older sister, she also loves to read. And we had a fantasy world of our own so just for fun. And when we were younger, she inspired me to write this book. Now, it happens to so many of us authors, Abby. We'll sit down to write. We feel inspired to write, but then nothing comes out. The screen remains blank. We get writer's block. Does that kind of thing happen to you? Very often. Mm, how do you get through something like that? By writing other stories. Mm. Now, Abby, are you the kind of writer who likes to get up maybe early in the morning or maybe stay up late at night and write? Or... Are you the kind of writer that finds yourself writing as the ideas and the time are coming to you? I like to stay up late and write. And if I get an idea, I will just go downstairs and write it when I feel like it. And when you think about the kind of story that you're telling in Solace, is that the kind of thing that you find yourself drawn to when you read? Well, I actually like a lot of genres. I like... Historical fiction, romance, science fiction, fantasy, supernatural, and I also like to read about actual history. I know a lot of my listeners are really going to be into this book, and I encourage them to check this out. It's titled Solace. It's written by Abby Rose Gladden, and it's published by Covenant Books. You can grab this one up everywhere, like on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Abby, it's been wonderful having you on the show here tonight. Thank you so much for telling me about Solace, and I can't wait to see what comes up next. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.